1: Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One
0: of the most important questions that we can ask concerning missions, concerning life, can the Bible be trusted? And uh, that's a good question. Is it different than any other book that we have, or is it just a book of myths and legends? Well, on Exploring Missions, we believe the Bible is the Word of God, and our guest that we'll interview later is proven that through the discoveries that he's making in archaeology. Our co-host today is Nathan Harper. Nathan, all the discoveries that have been made concerning archaeology has proven the Bible to be trustworthy.
1: Yeah, you know, archaeology... Is simply uncovering reality that might have been hidden for a long period of time. Think about it that way. Yeah, that's it. And now there's some interpretation involved. When you find something, an artifact, and you're like, okay, how was this used or what was this for? Sometimes it's clearer, but sometimes you have to kind of figure out what you're looking at. And at the same time, though, it's primary science. And it is a friend of the Bible. And really, I mean, it's because of archaeology that we have. A stronger confidence in the written word that it's accurate, it is truthful, it is historically accurate and truthful. And so it's archaeology. You might be excited by the subject, you might be uh, bored by the subject, but it's very important and it's a critical field that I'm glad we have archaeologists out there. And the more they dig, the more they find that lines up with God's word.
0: It is. And you say, why does that have to do with missions? It has a lot to do with missions, because if we—I I want to quote Dr. Adrian Rogers. He said, if we can't trust the Bible to tell us where we came from, how can we trust the Bible to tell us where we're going? Yeah. And that is so true. And what you find, archaeology is defending and showing that the Word of God is true. Science has done that. They bled George Washington trying to heal him, and he died, and— Life is in the blood. It says that God sits on the sphere of the earth. That's the word. It's not flat. It is it is a sphere. The Bible shares that and proves that. And I said, what about the four corners? And I said, that's the four directions. And the four direct, the corners of a compass, you, you could put it that way. And so the Bible is true. And so we can trust it when it comes to how we're saved. We can trust it and tell us what we're to do. And we can trust it in telling us what we are to do. In the book of Acts, it says, you shall be witnesses. It did not give any out on that, Nathan. It says, you shall be. That's pretty powerful, isn't it?
1: It is. There's, going back to a little bit of what you mentioned, is if we don't trust the Bible for our lives, if we just don't trust it, or there's doubts about it, or there's particular parts that we're unsure about, that's a real slippery slope at one point, but If you think about it, we wouldn't have missionaries if we didn't have people who trusted and believed the Bible is God's Word. If we didn't place that authority and stand under that authority of God's Word, then there would be no obedience to that command of being a witness or making disciples of the nations. Every good missionary who's ever left home and gone somewhere else to tell somebody about Jesus, they stand on the authority of God's Word. They believe the Bible.
0: I want to read a passage of Scripture, maybe two, but 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19-21, through 21, especially verse 21. But Peter writes and says, We also have the prophetic word made more sure, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns in the morning, star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, it's a divine book. It really is. It's dynamic in every way. It's inspired. Now, we're not talking about a person being inspired by sunset and writing a sonnet. We're talking about the authenticity. We're talking about the very critical idea of it being reliable, and it is from God. The other scripture that I was going to read is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and Myra, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God. That's why you spent five years over in Clarkston, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta, training individuals to be more effective in their mission work. And your textbook was the Bible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're really talking about two aspects of the reliability, the authority of God's Word. One is the response of the called ones, the response of the missionaries, like I said, we wouldn't have missionaries if they didn't believe God's Word is reliable. But at the same time, what is their message? Well, when they do go and they are obedient to that call, they go share the Word of God. And the power of God's Word upon the hearers' lives and their hearts, as this verse in Hebrews chapter 4 is talking about, it penetrates, it exposes, it goes all the way to the will of the person who is the hearer. You share the good news of Jesus. You share the word of God with an unbeliever. And the Holy Spirit does a work of bringing about salvation in Jesus by the hearing of the word. And so it, without the hearing of the word, there can be no salvation. There can be no missions. We're just kind of on a, on a tourist kind of a vacation trip if that's all a missionary does is goes without the word of God. And so the Word of God is what propels us into the mission field, and it's the power of God to bring salvation to those that hear. The Bible talks about how can they hear without a preacher, and we are to
0: have that message. The word apostles means sent ones. So the first people Jesus called (laughs) were called to be sent out, and that's the whole idea, and that's why the archaeology – The study of it, the study of science, that's why they have, I remember going to Blue Mountain, they'd talk about this is a liberal arts college, not liberal in its theology, but in other words, it was teaching
1: many aspects. A general education.
0: Yes, a general education, and every one of those comes from a scriptural point of view. We'll add to it the study of English, the study of science, the study of psychology. Each one of those, through the Word of God, shows us that the Bible is reliable. But archaeology has done that again and again. The city of David recently, they've discovered some things about that. They've discovered some things about Daniel, how he was the third ruler. They said, how could there be a third one when there was only one? No, they found out it was a dual Leadership and Daniel became a part of that, being the third person. So the scriptures are true. And in the uh, interview that we're doing today, I want you to hear this. This will bless your heart and it will encourage you and give, I, I say, it puts spiritual iron in your blood to add to know that the Bible is reliable. So let God bless you and use you in defending the faith and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Exploring missions today is looking at something that will, I think, strengthen you in your faith, uh, and it might be something that you need to consider looking at and know more about so that you can live in this present world with knowledge that will help you be a better Christian, given an answer of the faith that is in us. And the Bible talks about that, and that's part of missions, being able to defend the position of Christ. You don't have to be a theological expert, but you need to know that what the Bible says is real. And our guest today is David Reeves and David Looking at what you have done and looking at what you have researched, sounds like you believe the Bible's true, brother. You know what? From the beginning to
2: end. All, it's... Even the first nine chapters of Genesis? <laughs> it's amazing how that works. No, I have people come up to me all the time and they say, you know, you just mentioned it. We need to be able to respond. We need to be able to defend our faith. But when people come up after I speak at a conference, they say, David, we love the information, but just so you know, we want you to know that we're a Christian. We don't need it. You know? And I'm like, I, I am with you here. I'm a Christian. I have faith. All right. But here's the difference between our faith and the faith of these atheistic scientists who have become so prevalent. We don't have a blind faith. We have an evidenced faith. In other words, everything we see around us in creation, it's pointing us back to our creator and ultimately to Jesus Christ. Can you name anything
0: in this world that you've seen that has design that does not have a designer?
2: (laughs) You know, that's the thing. Every time I get in my car, I think to myself, well, wow, given enough time and chance, this car must have created itself, right? And it would develop into a jet later on, you know? You just give it enough million years, right? Yeah, enough million years.
0: (laughs) And the absurdity of that is what drives me crazy. Yeah. You know, it really does. Yeah. And they said, but what about the fossil evidence? Yeah. Uh, the fossil evidence doesn't does not prove Darwinian evolution. No. And But yet, that theory has become what is prevalent. And and again, we're not here to just downgrade that. We're here to share with you the truth that's in the Bible. Uh, Adrian Rogers said it this way, David, How can I trust the Bible to tell me where I'm
2: going if it does not tell me from where I came? I think that's a pretty good statement it is a good statement and the Bible tells us exactly where we came from. what I like to do is I like to contrast uh, secular science with the perfect science uh, you know something that we can that has stood the test of time and that's God's word so uh, in my second book, I, I actually went through 21 different verses. That are backed by scientific principles. Okay. But most of these verses were written thousands of years before science would ever catch up. And I always, you know, I'm a simple guy. I like to start with something extremely simple. So I always go back to Genesis 1.1. Now it says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And that sounds so rudimentary. It's like, okay, well, why do we need to know this? Because Pat, in that tiny little verse is not only our origins, but the origin of time, space, and matter. Right there in that one verse. You break it down. In the beginning, that's the beginning of time itself. God's outside of time. He doesn't need it. He, he created time for us to live in. All right? So in the beginning is the origin of time. God created the heavens. Well, that's space, right? And the earth. That's matter. matter. Time, space, and matter, the three basic components of the entire universe, To which I always love to contrast it with our best secular interpretations, right? So today, if you ask an astrophysicist or a cosmologist, how did the universe begin? They say, oh, David, no problem. You see, it began in a big bang about 14 billion years ago when all of the matter was compact. And listen to to the description here. They say, oh, all of the matter was compacted into a very dense spot, which then rapidly expanding, creating space and time. As it went. And I'm like, could you run that back by me one more time? <laughs> well, 14 it billion it makes, years ago. See if it'll make more sense the second time. Is that what <laughs> yeah, you're doing? Yeah, okay, exactly. go, yeah. And they say 14 billion years ago, all the matter in the universe started rapidly expanding outward, creating space time as it went. And I was like, Well, you've just given me a potential origin for space and time, but you just started with all of the matter in the universe. Where did all that come from? (laughs) You see, scientific law tells us. In fact, the laws of thermodynamics tells us that Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Einstein, he comes along much down the road and he said, well, matter is an expression of energy. So, therefore, matter can neither be created nor destroyed. Get this, in the natural world, right? Right. Which means that all of the matter of the universe must have been created supernaturally. And the first verse of the Bible gives us the origin of that matter. The 21 verses. Now, give us the name of your book. Make sure people know that and where they can get it. It's 21 verses backed by science. And uh, it's all about deepening our faith, about strengthening our faith in Christ. uh, Because scattered throughout the Bible are all of these references of good scientific principles, good historical principles that have stood the test of time. And you can pick that up on our website. Um, Best place to go is just davidreeves.com, David R-I-V com. and um, you'll get links to that as well as our free resources. Maybe. We put out a, a free magazine every uh, every other month, delivered to your door, with science and Bible history articles and children's activities and things like okay. that. With that in mind,
0: you talked about speaking. Are you available for people to? Call on you to come and speak? 100%. I do that all the time. I thought the the way you were talking,
2: you might be, you know. (laughs) You seem like more than a writer, you know. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm so passionate about sharing this information, and I think you really need to be passionate about it, because science, that can get kind of dull, you know. It's like, well, why do we need to learn about rocks and fossils or astrophysics and space? But really... When you break it down, you realize just how amazing it all is. So, I was just out at Billy Graham's uh, training center doing a pastor's conference, and I got back two days ago from South Africa. I was leading a tour. Of 30-something people, and I took them out in the middle of the African bushveld within 30 feet of live African lions, of live cheetahs, of all of these different animals. And I would point out the design features of those animals yes. and show how that could never have happened by chance. You just, you can't get design without a designer. You cannot. I, I mean, when I was... When I was being schooled in
0: Darwinian evolution, uh, not that my teacher, my high school teacher didn't believe it, but he said, this is what they teach. And uh, so it wasn't like it was a threat to me because of a professor or my teacher. And then one of my college professors, the first one I had, he said, for evolution to be true... All the things, the mutations that happen would have to be good and they would not, they would have to be reduplicated you know, one generation to the next. And he said mutations do happen. But guess what? Most of the time that lasts for one generation and it corrects itself from the same animal. If you're an old farm boy the way I am and you raise cattle, you would see certain things happen with a calf and they say, well, that's not. But that calf would grow and it would give birth to another calf. And guess what? It would go back to the original.
2: Because God has created, God created that self uh, That's it. Correcting mechanisms. Isn't that amazing?
0: I, I, I'm just going to throw this. That's what's amazing about our Constitution. This is just on the side. Yeah. That's they. It was not a perfect document, right. but they put it in there where it could be made better. Yes. And and not that great what yeah. God has done even in that. But in this creation, when you look at it, how I've I've heard of the Mount St. Helens. Yes. You know when it exploded and it was it was terrific and the damage that it did in just a short period of time mm-hmm. if it had happened uh 2 or 3000 4000 years ago and the scientists got a hold of it they
2: say it would have been a million years for Mount St <laughs> Helens to do what they did but That's it's right. happened in days they saw the only reason they will believe it is because they saw it with their eyes exactly And yet, when the Bible is so clear historically, telling us exactly what happened, that there was a catastrophic flood that took place about 4,000 years ago, and then we see these flood layers, we see these layers of sediment, mud, sand, silt, limestone, all of these things that even the secularist will admit, hey, these were deposited by water. But it must have been by water over millions and millions. <laughs> you see, even the secularists have to admit that Bible history seems to be correct. They just insert one magical ingredient called time, yes, right? right? And what Without
0: time that they think is on their side, yeah. the whole theory completely falls apart. And it really does fall apart when you look at it from...
2: Design Mm -hmm. and the law of aerodynamics. It it, it really does fall apart. Well, think about it. Uh, The atheist, the intellectual atheist, believes that he has done away with the need for God, that he's replaced God with purely naturalistic scientific processes. But what he's actually done is he has created a pantheon of his own gods. Now, listen to me. He's created a pantheon of gods, one being the god of time. Another being the God of chance. And the other is Mother Nature, right? And they won't say this. They don't believe it. But what they've actually done is they've created their own supernatural deities to replace the true God, the God of the Bible. And when you realize that, it is so powerful because... They're not atheists at all. They're that believing. Sounds, that sounds like Paul in Athens
0: when he says, oh, you have so many these idols to, to gods, but I saw one to the unknown God. Let me tell you about him <laughs> and, and this God. And let's go back to it. Uh, really, this secular thinking is based on a philosophy, not science. That's correct. They 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 start with an assumption. Do we start with an assumption? I don't mind starting with the evidence. Yeah. Start with the evidence. A design. What do you come up with? A designer. A designer. You really do. You start with time, space, and matter. What yeah. do you come up with? Mm-hmm. You come up with some being yeah. having the. Capacity Now, there's questions we can't ask. Where did God come from? Listen, as a little boy, I asked that question. My boys asked me that question. Now, my grandsons and granddaughters asked that question. God's always been. Now, I don't know how to answer it other than that. I trust Him. Does it make a matter of faith? It's faith, but it's faith not based on faith. It's faith based on the evidence.
2: Well, that's exactly right. And you think about... uh, Jesus actually understands that. And you look at in the New Testament uh, after the resurrection, you know, doubting Thomas comes along and he said, You know, I'm not going to believe unless I can actually touch those nail marks in his hand. I, I just don't know that I can believe that, that he's raised again, right? And Jesus didn't reject Thomas because of that. He didn't say, Okay, because you've had some doubts, well, then that's the end of you. No. He said, come on in, Thomas, let me let me show you the evidence which will strengthen your faith to the point that you will become an incredible witness for me. Right. Right. Well, that's what he's done with nature all around us. He said he invites us to use scientific principles to study this evidence and he gives us the choice to use it for his glory to become more effective witnesses for Christ right and if we're not doing that then we're missing out on one of the greatest things that he's placed Amen. in this world
0: we're running out of time but there's two things I want you to do 21 verses I know you started with uh, Genesis 1 1 what other to get I want people's curiosity to get to be able to get the book <laughs> what other verse can would you say it, that you would use real quick
2: you know. to tell us so there was a, a naval commander by the name of Matthew Fontaine Maury, and uh, he lived during the 1800s. He was extremely ill one day, and his daughter comes in with a Bible, sits down next to his bed, and she said, I'm going to try to read you some scripture, maybe encourage you. So she just randomly uh, turns to Psalm 8, where it says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angel, and has crowned him with glory and honor. Whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas, O Lord our Lord, How excellent is thy name in all the earth. And Matthew, as ill as he was, as sick as he was, he sat up in bed at that moment and he said, Paths of the seas. And now as a naval commander, this just intrigued him. And he said... Well, if the Bible says there are paths in the seas, guess what? I think that there are really paths in the seas. He devoted his life's effort to charting the ocean currents that ships still follow to this day based on a verse in Scripture, right? And there's a monument erected in Virginia in his honor that says to Matthew Fontaine Murray, the pathfinder of the seas, the genius who first snatched from the oceans and atmosphere the secret of of their laws, his inspiration was Holy Writ. In other words, he was using the Bible. He was using these 21 verses that are backed by scientific principles to discover new things. And if we as Christians would take over the scientific community, would become the next PhDs in astrophysics and geology and paleontology and archaeology, what amazing things could we accomplish for God's glory. And that's what our ministry tries to do on a daily basis is just encourage people.
0: And get involved in that. That's just what happened as Christians withdrew from cer- certain areas yeah. when they should have continued to engage in it, because truth is on the Bible side, on the believer side. One more thing, you went to South Africa, recently returned, and you were there close to the lions and the leopards, and you was talking about design. Why did those 30 people with you, what design? Oh, yeah, I see it. Or, or
2: they were too scared to look. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we try to maintain a self-safe oh, okay. distance. I just, I just thought of that. No, you know? it was it was an amazing time for everyone. Most of them were like-minded believers, but I tell you, everybody, by the end of 10 days, and you can go with me, go with me next June to South Africa. I do this every year. And I can find that on your website? Find it right on the website. I. You will leave so inspired with a greater appreciation uh it's just hard to explain yeah i have always thought of this you know i I think God,
0: you know, he did it. I know how he did it. But when I think about it, I said, he must have just practiced on the animals in North America, America, and then he <laughs> let it loose in Africa. And he, he poured out those animals. And I know there's tigers that's in Asia. They're beautiful. The toucans and yep. so, But isn't God amazing? Aren't they beautiful? They are How in the world could gorgeous. they just evolve to look like a toucan with all
2: those beautiful color i mean you know no. it's just more than more than people could deny well let me let me leave you with this because because you see the very fact that we're able to appreciate beauty it points to a designer. All right, We should not be able to appreciate the beauty of these animals and the plants of Africa unless we are created in the image of God. and Which means that He has given us just this tiny fraction of the ability to appreciate the design that He instilled in all of His creation. And then... He loved us so much that in this vast universe, he sent his only begotten son. He reduced himself to flesh on this tiny speck that we call earth to live, die, and be raised again in order that we might live with him for eternity. Now, how special is that? He loves us so, so much. He does. I said one more thing, and I know that
0: was the gospel presented. But when you talked about being able to behold it, how could the eye evolve? Oh, I mean, uh-huh. the, all the things that I've heard about and read about, yeah. the eye, how, how could it right. evolve? It just uh, it makes uh, – listen, those of you who are listening today and you bought into secular evolution, Dar- I call it Darwinian evolution, uh, examine it, look at it, and see contrast that with the Word of God and see how consistent it is on the first day, the second day. And there's order. Without that, there's randomness. And they say, randomness? Listen, and just as God is the God of creation, He's the God of redemption. And those are the great Messages of the Bible, yeah. that whom God created, he also can redeem because of the fallen nature of man. Yeah. David, brother, it's been fun having you with us. Oh, I love it. Thank you, for
2: having me. Amen. And you can go to davidreaves.com Dot com. David, R-I-V-E-S dot com. Okay, Sign man. up for our free newsletter and our free magazine, and you can... Sign up for the Africa trips or get the book. or We've got just all sorts of free resources. About. I pray that you'll make use of that. And listen,
0: why is this so important in the world we live? Because as on mission, mission for God, we need to be able to defend... Our God, not that He needs defending, but we able to defend that while we believe in Him because it is consistent. So stay on mission for God. Be consistent in your prayer life. Be consistent in your witnessing. And let the message of Christ ring out in your life and in your voice. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions.